Welcome you to the house of the Lord this morning. Glad to see each one of you here. Have any announcements this morning? Class tonight at five. Thanksgiving morning. Or both. Anybody else? Okay, let's uh, open our hymnals to number nine. These songs this morning, Pat picked them out. She picked this one out because this is my favorite song. And she picked out 401. And I don't know what she said she picked it out for, but whatever it is, it's the one that Bud was hoping we'd sing. So, because of the theme. So I guess they both were thinking on the same page. But anyway, it's number nine for right now. Our Heavenly Father, we come to Thee this morning in the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, praying, Father, that You would send Your Holy Spirit to be with us this day, especially, Father, be with our brother as he stands in Your stead this morning. The words and the sermon that he's uh, planned out this morning, pray that he will be able to deliver it in a way that will bring understanding and knowledge to each one of us. And we pray that You would be with those this morning that can't be with us because of illness. 
and ask that you would bless them. And these things we'd ask and give thanks for in Christ's holy name. Amen. This morning's scripture is taken from Psalm 119.105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. Let's turn to 401. Good morning. In the name of Christ, we welcome you into this sanctuary. It is made holy by the presence of the Holy Spirit on ground that was dedicated for this sanctuary to be built. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. The word of God has been described by some to be a series of letters from God to his children, who that's us. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit to men through history and was recorded by them. And <clears throat> as I began to try to 
bring some fresh message to our understanding of what the word is, I came across this piece of information. The word of God is about relationship. Amos 3.7 says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. The results of this is a series of volumes of divinely inspired writings. The Old Testament is from the birth of first man and the prophecy of the coming Messiah. The New Testament records the life and ministry of the Messiah and prophecy of things yet to come. The word contains that message, the Messiah. Some might say, if you ask, you know, what is, what is scripture? What's the Bible? Some might answer that it contains a series of commandments, instruction, guidelines, and warnings, and so it does, but it is so much more than that. The very heart of the Word of God is affirmation. It's a message about your worth to God the Father. The gospel message is that God wants all to be saved. 1 Timothy 2.4 says, God our Savior wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. He wants every one of us to be saved and have the joy of salvation. It took me a while to come to this understanding. The only thing that God asks us to do are the things that bring peace, joy, life, faith, contentment. The things he asks us not to do are the things that bring pain and sorrow and regret and shame, the consequences of sin. And his message to us is this. He wants us to be saved from that, from those consequences. He wants us to have the joy of salvation. I'm not talking about just the passing from life and physical life into heaven, but to have the joy of salvation now. I remember hearing this from uh, Hazel McKee years and years and years ago. She said that somebody asked her, why give your life to Christ if it is simply for the promise of of heaven after you die and she was kind of shocked by the question she simply said it's, it's not only about that it's about the quality of life and the amount of joy you have while you're here on the earth so we're not talking about just the reward of heaven itself which is a beautiful promise it's for us to have that increased faith, purpose, rest, and healing, and the peace of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Job 33, 29, 30, as I was in the process of trying to discover how to be right with God, and I was studying, honestly, I was studying eight hours a day, reading the Bible, trying to understand what the message was. Job 33, 29 through 30 says, God works all these things oftentimes with a man, 
to bring back his soul from the pit, to be enlightened with the light of the living. The purpose of God's word is simply to reconcile us to Christ and put us on his path that he has chosen for us where we find that experience of increased joy, peace, and rest in him. When you feel lacking, when you feel alone, when you feel despair, look to the gospel message that Christ found you worthy of his sacrifice on the cross to redeem you unto life from death. Death is not the end of physical life, even though that's the, the common usage of the term. The Holy Spirit asked me one time, what is death? This was when I was in my first moments of my, my transition from, <clears throat> from darkness to light. And I was shocked by, the, by this question and I realized, you know, this was God, the Holy Spirit, asking me, what is death? And I just was struggling to find an answer because I thought, well, everybody knows what death is. It's when you die, but, you know, why do you die? And I remember the response was, in, in me, in my own limited understanding, I said, death is when pain just squeezes you out of your body and your spirit moves on. And I came to understand that that, that was not correct. Death is being spiritually separate from God, even while alive in body, but dead in spirit. Death is being unrepentant, not reborn in spirit. Life is being reborn in spirit and Holy Spirit filled. That is life. When you feel unworthy of service to God in your calling, whether it is in his holy priesthood or as a holy member of the body of Christ, in his church, understand this. His redemptive process is at work in you and me as much as we will permit. We are made worthy by his redemptive process in us by washing us in his blood shed on the cross and by no other way. That is what makes us worthy and we cannot accomplish this without his spirit. True humility is giving God glory praising and worshiping him, recognizing that the Holy Spirit is the author of all good. It is his spirit in us and he who authors his work by our obedience to him. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, I am confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. His spirit indwelling us is the light unto our path. This is what lifts us out of unworthiness and failure and our own self-condemnation and puts our feet on the path of righteousness and divine ministry. Whether you hold priesthood office or not, you have ministry. God has called us all to partake in building his kingdom. John 3.3 3 says, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And I remember those days when I just couldn't see it. <laughs> I want to share this with you. I think it's hysterical. Um, there is a comedy source, stand-up comedians, and it's called Dry Bar Humor. 
Apparently they don't serve drinks at this place. Well, I, you know, I'm not that familiar with it, but I've seen several comedians do a presentation and they're always clean, there's no cursing, nothing off color. And this one guy, I'd never seen him until I saw you know, this, this presentation he does. And he was describing how his life had become a total wreck. He had gone through bankruptcy on the second time. His marriage was in shambles. He said he, they were driving out to get groceries. They drove up into the parking lot, and his wife just said, well, do you want to get a divorce? And he said <clears throat> he just didn't have a good answer. He said, well, if that's what you want, because he knew that they'd just been miserable together, but he knew he loved her. And he didn't really want a divorce, but he didn't know how to not have a divorce. So that's where his life was <clears throat> when he met a man who was also a stand-up comic, but in a different position in life altogether. He had been fabulously successful as a businessman. He had retired, <clears throat> excuse me, he had retired wealthy. And just for his own amusement, he became a stand-up comic and... And the guy who was making the presentation said he wasn't that good, but he was good enough to keep getting jobs you know, and, and showings, and so he kept running into him. And so he learned about the guy that, you know, because of his wealth, he had memberships in all kinds of country clubs, and he thought, man, I can get in and play golf on his membership if I just buddy up to him. So he did. So they were out playing golf. And so this guy began to witness to him about Christ. And his response was, oh, don't give me that Jesus stuff. And so the member of the country club said, oh, what are you talking about? And he says, he says, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in Jesus. <laughs> and so he says, you're an atheist. Have you even read the Bible? You know, no, why would I read it? I'm an atheist. And he says, well, you're not an atheist. You're a moron. <laughs> he said, a true atheist has read the Bible. He understands the message. He just chooses not to believe it. You haven't done your homework. You're a moron. And he, said he was just like, you know, never been confronted at that level. So as he began his journey of trying to understand why he was an atheist, he became a Christian. I hear that story repeatedly. I think C.S. Lewis began that journey as an atheist. And his study of the word brought light to his path. I think of the years that I spent as a moron <laughs> before God reached into my life and brought his light. This is why we treasure his gift of the Holy Spirit as such an unsurpassed blessing. His word is the revela revelation of how this is accomplished. We must know his word and treasure it in our heart, learning it completely. Our best life here on earth is lived with the understanding that we do not earn his love nor his salvation. It's a gift. We respond to his love and salvation by loving him in return. Once we understand how great his love is, the sacrifice he made when he chose to go to the cross for each one of us to redeem us from death into life, if we fully grasp that understanding, there's only one response possible, and that is to love him in return. We respond by surrendering our rebellion and our selfish nature to him 
for sin to be purged from us by his presence. We dedicate ourselves to him to serve him, to treasure his presence and make him welcome to indwell us by separating those things that prevent a full indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. John 14.12, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. That John 14, 12, it just staggers my imagination. The things that Christ has done when he walked this earth. Healed lepers, raised the dead. He taught in such a way that thousands would come to hear him preach. And he was willing to silently lay his, his life down to accomplish his mission on earth, which is to redeem us from death even as we walk in an upright body thinking we're alive when we're not. He redeems us from that and puts light on our path so that we can see his path and join him there. May God teach us his truth and shape us for his ministry May he shine his light both in our path and in our heart. And in so doing, may we find the true joy he desires for us in his presence. Thank you, bud. Our hymnals to three five seven. We stand to sing this, and Brother Jim will offer our benediction. 